Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to our Heavenly Father tonight as we think of divine sonship and say together the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so tonight is the third of this series. Um, and the general thing of the series is about finding God in ordinary life. Um, not finding him in a monastery, not finding him on a mountain, but finding him in the midst of your ordinary living. Tonight, in a sense, we're taking what you could call a, a diversion or some, we're looking at something completely different, not the mechanics of how you find God, um, but what the goal is, the goal of the whole spiritual life, what holiness is, namely to be sons in the sun. So if we ask the question, what is a Christian's identity? What is it that describes your calling, your vocation? What's the goal? Well, this image sums it up. This is my son, the beloved. So we heard on Sunday the gospel text of the Transfiguration, and as, where it said, this is my son, listen to him. At his baptism also a voice was heard from heaven saying, this is my son, the beloved. And that image and those words sum up what we are called to become, why he came from heaven to earth, that we might, in union with him, um, be adopted as children of our Heavenly Father. So, this is what we're looking at tonight. Um, now, there's a fancy word for this, divine filiation. Filiation, filial, um, family, uh, being a child of God. There's a seat just here on the front row. Uh, so, just saying we're looking tonight at the question of being called to be um, sons of our Heavenly Father. Um, I think divine filiation, being a child of God, was in the 20th century a big theme. You know, different eras have different themes that people talk a lot about. And actually, in the 20th century, it's a big theme of spirituality. Um, you're probably all very familiar with St. Therese of Lisieux. Um, I've talked a bit already about St. Josemaria. I'm going to say what he adds to what she said. St. Therese lived uh, towards the end of the 19th century. Um, Pope Pius X famously said of her that she was the greatest saint of the 20th century. Now, she lived in the 19th century, so he was making a point that actually her greatness was in the century that came after her, her, her influence. And I'm sure many of you are like myself, that uh, I grew up with St. Therese almost like a family friend. Um, she was hugely important to me um, 
and a lot of my spirituality was her. Um, doing little things for God, offering them up to him. St. Jose Maria, um, if you look at the timeline, was born shortly after she died. Um, in the canonization homily for him, Pope, um, Pope St. John Paul II now, um, said one of his defining features, two things he plucked out, that St. Jose Maria was concerned about the dignity of God's children, and that he was a saint of ordinary life. So where is it that you root your dignity? What's it all about? Well, it's being a child of God. Um, that's what I'm going to pick out um, this evening. So if you're going to say who was the most influential person in terms of popular piety of the 20th century, I think St. Therese would win hands down, really. I think if you go around different churches, look for images, statues, um, people look to her, still look to her. Um, and what summed up her message? Well, spiritual childhood. So she talked about littleness and humility and simplicity. So that she talked about herself as being little before or our almighty God. And with that, her humility, that she was humble, humble before her great father. And with that simplicity, that one of the things we think of with children is that they're just very straightforward, um, that we become a little more sophisticated and not straightforward as we get older. But a little child isn't able to lie even. It's just very simple. Um, and that's what she said was her, her spirituality, what her message was. So she talked about this thing called the little way. Um, let me quote a passage here from her autobiography. She said, she said, I will seek out a means of getting to heaven by a little way, a very short and straight, a little way that is wholly new. We live in an age of inventions. Nowadays, the rich need not trouble to climb the stairs. They have lifts instead. Well, I mean to try to find a lift by which I may be raised unto God. For I am too tiny to climb the steep stairway of perfection. Thine arms then, O Jesus, are the lift that must raise me up even unto heaven. To get there I need not grow. On the contrary, I must remain little. I must become still less. So our whole message is that if we recognise that we are little and he is big, if we trust ourselves to his power, if we trust ourselves to his fatherly wisdom, directing, planning, then he is the power that will lift us up where we're not able to climb up ourselves. And that's her little way, to be little. So she'd point to various bits of scripture, so as quoted there from Proverbs it's one, in one of her manuscripts, whoever is a little one, let him come to me. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say, anyone out there who's big and proud and successful, come to me. No, he looks for the little ones, he looks for the unsuccessful ones, and by his power, he makes them successful. But we only become powerful in as much as we are before him, looking to him to make us 
but we can't be by ourselves. I'm sure you're all also familiar with the question of her vocation. So she talked about how while she was a nun already, she was trying to figure out, well, what was her particular vocation, that these different saints did different things? Well, um, what was her vocation? She said, I knew the church had a body composed of various members, but in this body, the necessary and more noble member was not lacking. I knew that the church had a heart, and that such a heart appeared to be aflame with love. I knew that one love drove the members of the church to action. And if this love were extinguished, the apostles would have proclaimed the gospel no longer. The martyrs would have shed their blood no more. So she concluded, I have found my place in the church, and you gave me that place, my God. In the heart of the church, my mother, I will be love, and thus I will be all things. So being love, she will be the missionary in the foreign country. She will be the priest doing the preaching. In being love, she would be everything. So this was her vocation, to be the heart of the church. Love proved by deeds, scattering flowers of little deeds, little sacrifices, the least actions done for love. I'm going to guess everything I've said so far has been fairly familiar to you. Um, St. Therese gets talked about a lot. I want to really explain how St. Josemaria adds something to what she already gives us at a very familiar level. So as I've quoted already from John Paul II, um, the dignity of God's children is a big theme in St. Josemaria. And if you're paying attention when you listen to St. Therese, actually dignity isn't a word in St. Therese. So, St. Josemaria is adding a new perspective in what he sees in our being children of God. So he t refers to an event he calls the greatest grace of my entire life. When he was 29 years old on the tram, a grace he says marked him forever. So three years earlier, when he was only 26, um, he saw, as he put it, Opus Dei. He didn't see a vision, but somehow intellectually it was put before him, this organisation that he was called to found to enable lay people to sanctify themselves in their lay state. <coughs> but three years after he'd realised that was his vocation, he was struggling to do much about it. Uh, and in that struggle, he was, you know, not quite despairing, but needing something more. And it's very significant that God gave him this grace on a tram, a crowded tram, in the midst of city life. So there are some saints who get their mystical experiences on a mountaintop or in a chapel, this mystical experience came to him while he was praying on a tram, praying in the midst of the world. And the grace he received on that tram was a realisation that he is a son of God. He says, this 
obviously it was something he'd heard before in many a sermon, but he grasped it, he realized it in a way that marked him forever. So here I have an image of a baby king, um, a firstborn son. Now, what I've said here, that's a scriptural and a historic image. It's not a modern image, but it is scriptural. So in our modern world, being a firstborn son, well, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? Except qualifying you to be the king of England. I think that's still, I'm not sure. But I think anything else... Being a firstborn son doesn't qualify you for anything. So we need to think in terms of what this image is to scripture, to history. And this image in scripture, the firstborn son is the one who has destiny. He's the one who's going to inherit everything. He has dignity and status and power. So when Jesus is the firstborn son... This is what he has. This is what is his identity. And if he is calling us to share in that, then that's what we're called to. So I've used the title for today's talk, Sons in the Sun, not Children in the Sun. Um, And obviously, if you're a girl, um, you're not going to be a son in that physical sense. But if we're going to grasp what this significance is about, we've got to put ourselves in the mindset of that scriptural image and realize that that is exactly what I am being given, (coughs) what you are being given. And you're being given it whether you're a woman or a man. If you are in Jesus, you are being called to share in this dignity. So, this is my son, the beloved. The words said, the voice from heaven, about Jesus. Do you want to turn that off? Right. Just have to hope mine doesn't go off now in the middle of the talk, just to embarrass me too. So, St. Paul, um, this is from Hebrews. Have you forgotten that encouraging text? by which you are addressed as sons, so that you are all addressed as sons. And what we need, we're, you know, we're very familiar with this language. We hear it all the time, but we need to remind ourselves, well, physically, I am not a son of God. I am spiritually, and I am because of Jesus. thought we'd think of Henry VIII. Um, now, Henry VIII had his six wives, um, but the drive for him getting the second was that he didn't have a male heir. And we think of that historically, that gives us a reminder of just how important this firstborn son was. The, the dignity, the power, the status the firstborn son had. And that's what you have been given. So dignity, heirs. So Romans, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. In Galatians, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. If you think about it, an heir, to inherit what God has, 
That's a pretty big thing. God is everything. God has everything. And we are being told that is our inheritance. We are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. And stepping back a second, thinking of St. Therese, this is quite a different image to what St. Therese is talking about when she's saying you are a child. Um, so yes, you're little, but little made big. Made big by him, with him, not alone from him. Different image again. So we've got an image here of some stars, an image of the cosmos, of the creation. Now, by the very fact that we were all created, God is our creator, our Lord, our master. But he is not our father. Fatherhood comes from a different action. Fatherhood comes by being adopted in Christ. So that quote there from Galatians, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son then an heir. So I'm reading a lot about Islam at the moment. Um, And in Islam you are not a son, and God is not your father. You do not have that intimacy. It's the master and the slave. And you submit, as the word Islam says. But that's not what Christ has shown us. That in Christ we are heirs. We have this dignity um, if we are with him. So to, to think about this dignity is about thinking about being united to Christ, seeking Christ, seeking union with Christ, seeking to become another Christ. So here's a picture of me. My mummy feeding me. <laughs> said, Mummy always said I was special. Yes. Um, so the point about all this is that I was called to this. I've been given that. So that ugly little baby over there um, was given by my union with Jesus in baptism all of that dignity of the firstborn son. So St. Maria used to speak of the pride of being a son of God, which is interesting because obviously most of the time we think about pride, we think of it as a sin. But in his image of the dignity of a son of God, he speaks many times of how you, there's a, a right sense of pride, a pride that comes not from myself and think about how wonderful I am, but of my relationship with the Father and what he has given me. So I'm going to read out the the top quote. Rest in divine filiation. God is a father, your father, full of warmth and infinite love. Call him father frequently and tell him when you are alone that you love him, that you love him very much and that you feel proud and strong because you are his son. Then he thinks about behavior. He says, children, how they seek to behave worthily in the presence of their fathers. And the children of kings, in the presence of their father, the king, how they seek to uphold the royal dignity. And you, don't you realize that you are always in the presence of the great king, God, your father? So if we realize that we have this royal dignity, then we should seek to behave that way. 
with dignity, not with an arrogance, but with dignity. And a man of dignity doesn't grub around doing undignified things. Lastly, I think this final quote is um, very reflective of the spirituality. Father, said that big fellow, a good student at the university, I was thinking of what you told me, that I'm a son of God. And I found myself walking along the street, head up, chin out. I'm in a proud feeling inside, a son of God. With sure conscience, I advised him to encourage that pride. So again, this is a very different image to what we might be used to. I think it's particularly a good image, you know, if you think in comparison to um, John Paul II, who in a lot of his reflections reflected on how in much of the 20th century we had very debased vision of human dignity and so much destruction and the darkness of humanity shown in the world wars, um, various totalitarian regimes this vision of actually the exalted status of what humanity is called to is a very important thing for us to hold on to. As a consequence, uh, St. Josemaria said, each detail matters, that small details are seen by the Father, but that the dignity comes as a debt from God and not from us. So he would look at that image of the father and the little boy, the little son, and see how the father sees every single thing that the boy does. And my heavenly father sees every single thing that I do. It's not just that he only sees the big things. He sees everything. And of every little thing I do, I do with care, with an attention to detail, with love, then the father sees that. And it's his power in me doing it, his grace in me doing it. Um, but the dignity I have in it isn't ultimately from me. It's from my almighty father. Another big theme in St. Josemaria is the joy that comes from being a son of God. So I've said that a fruit of loving and a fruit of knowing you are loved. So we all know that experience in different ways. When we experience that somebody loves us, wow, we feel good. Um, well, when we grasp, as he grasped it on that tram, grasp that sense, yes, I am a son of God and he loves me. Well, that should mean I'm characterized by joy if I have grasped that. Here's another quote from him. Happy? The question made me think. Words have not yet been invented to express all that we feel in the heart and in the will when we know ourselves to be a son of God. The Father's care. Now this um, perfectly dovetails with St. Therese. Um, she taught a lot about the Father's providential care um, but just a couple quotes here God is always near us he's not far away in the heaven far, high above he's interested in all we do so he loves us more than all the mothers in the world love their children um, 
and reflected also about how he is our Father, so that we can see a, a personal relationship, a personal dimension in that. He's not somebody else's Father, he's our Father, and of course my Father. Um, so that the Father cares for us. So summing that up, as I said, he experienced on that tram what he called the greatest grace of my entire life, realising that he was a son of God. That gave him a sense of dignity and supernatural pride, an awareness of the Father's care and love, uh, and in the one who realises that, leaves you with joy and happiness. Now I want to close the risk of being controversial with a criticism of St. Therese. Um, as I say, I grew up loving St. Therese. St. Therese was everything as I grew up. But I want to point out how I think there is something in St. Josemaria that adds another dimension. So, summarising, St. Therese talked about littleness, humility, confidence, simplicity, love, spiritual sacrifices of love. Um, so I went to Wikipedia for some um, standard criticisms of St. Therese. Now, when I was young and still today, I, I read Therese very easily. But there are a lot of people who really don't like her, who read her and find her saccharine, sweet, nauseating. Um, some people would say, well, she's not just about spiritual childhood, but there's something infantile. Also something rather good. So all this talk about flowers. Um, you know, what does that do for men? Um, and it is... We do live in an age of a very feminised Christianity. Um, so if you look around church, you will see the vast majority of people there are women. There will be some men. If you remove the men that were there with their wives, i.e. only had the men that were there of their own volition, actually there'd be very few. Um, that we have a problem today in the church of men somehow not feeling engaged with the, what the Christian faith is about. And I think if St. Therese has been so dominant, and if there has been a, a rather girly aspect in how a lot of this has been presented, I fear some of that may be related, but soon I think St. Josemaria's vision adds a, a dimension that a man can be much more comfortable with. So, the vision of firstborn son, as I said, the firstborn son uh, has destiny, dignity, status, and power. Just to point out, we're going to added a slightly different gloss to this. So St. Therese, this is, in case you don't know, the, one of the famous pictures of her as a little girl. She was probably one of the most beautiful saints, and we have photos of her. Um, but just to point out, she was also called to this status of being a firstborn son. That's what she was given as well. Um, so if we're going to take all she has to give us, we need to also, I think, have this vision of dignity uh, as well. That yes, She's little, yes, she's small, yes, she's love, 
Um, but she also has dignity from the Father. So, as I've said, they're a strong and not a weak image of Christianity. So, closing with that image I started with, this is the image, the two scriptural images, or pivotal ones in the Gospels, where the voice from heaven says, this is my son. That's what we, he came from heaven to earth to be united to us, that we might be united to him, that we might share in that dignity that he has. So, what does that give us? Well, it means that we are a child, we are little, we should trust and have confidence, the way a child just trusts in his parents. We are a son, in the sense, not physically, but spiritually, that we are heirs to everything the Father has. Um, that should give us dignity, pride, and a sense of value. Um, and if we are sons, then that means we are loved. And knowing that we are loved, experiencing that we are loved, should give us a sense of joy, of happiness, and security. All right, that's everything I wanted to say tonight.